What is going on, ladies, gentlemen, listeners of the Didn't Ask podcast? Welcome back to another episode of this right here podcast, the Didn't Ask podcast, the show where I dive into the world of Reddit to see what the people ask Reddit and didn't ask me. Welcome to episode 64 of this right here podcast, the Didn't Ask podcast. How many times can I say Didn't Ask podcast after one another in the shortest amount of time? I think I can do it a lot more, but hey, that's not why we're here. We're here to answer Reddit's most popular questions of the past week. But before we do, I want to know how are you feeling? Hopefully you're doing good. I myself am doing way better than I was doing last week, which was already better than I did the week before. I'm finally getting to a point where I'm no longer stuffed up and no longer just gasping for breath because, man, it it was a bad cold that I was having. But luckily, we've moved on. We had a fun racing weekend this past weekend. We had Monaco on the calendar and Monaco, if you know Formula One, is the event of the year. It's basically that and then Abu Dhabi are basically the two which are very synonymous with racing nowadays and especially with the new calendar going basically in flux where we might be seeing some very popular and very very iconic tracks leave the calendar for maybe the next year but then come back the year after and stuff like that but man monaco was such a interesting event we of course had the weather not working with us uh, at all it started raining right before the start which is like the best slash worst time for it to happen of course like safety wise it's the best when it starts raining before because at that point we have everybody quickly gathering their themselves and making sure that the tires are correct that we are on wet tires that we are fully equipped for the rain because sometimes when we have a race going and the cars are on slick tires which means they don't have a profile or anything and it starts raining that can lead to seriously dangerous situations especially in a very closed off circuit that is monaco which of course is a street circuit so it's basically on the streets of monaco and it's going past houses and you name it and it's 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 a mess if it is really getting slippery and we saw that a little bit in this race even though we were on uh, wet tires and intermediate tires but still it's very dangerous if it happens during the race so on one side i was happy that it happened before the race we did then end up postponing the race for an hour which resulted in this whole new thing where i mean it's not a new thing but like the rules state that a grand prix cannot take longer than I believe it's three hours, something like that, after the start of the race or the official start time. So with it being delayed an hour meant that they had to cut basically the Grand Prix short. But luckily, Checo Perez won that race. And I'm very happy for the guy. Monaco, like I was saying, is such an iconic Formula One circuit, which is one of the circuits that you really want to win as a Formula One driver. And especially after what happened last week with Jacob Perez, where he was driving very well and he was pushing for the win and basically had to give up his spot to 
Verstappen so that Verstappen could gain points in the championship and then become first place. But that's how racing is. You know, you have a you have a two-man team and you need to sometimes give one up for the team. But luckily, again, like I said, this was his time for Checo Perez and he got that win on Monaco, which is fantastic. So I hope he's happy. I hope he got a lot of cash from last time that he had to give up his position, but got even more cash for winning this one because, again, like I was saying, this is such an historic, iconic event that it's amazing when you can win that and write that in the history books. But again, that's enough for the Formula One for me for now because this is not a Formula One podcast. And again, I might start one next season because I was ta- I'm talking about that stuff so much that it might be a smart thing to cash in on that. But we shall see, we shall see. This is the podcast where I dive into the world of Reddit to see what the people ask Reddit and didn't ask me. So let's jump into the first question coming from the Ask Reddit subreddit for today, coming from user Ghost of Animus. And they ask, what will it take for it to stop mass shootings in America? We're going to dive straight in with this question because I really think that this is a very interesting question and it's a serious one. So I'd rather answer this now and then get to the levity later then have to basically disrupt the flow of the podcast and then answer this question somewhere in the middle. But of course, this question comes after the tragedy that happened in Texas last week where a fucking insane person went into a school and started shooting up small children like kids and their teachers and it, it it's something that keeps happening and especially in the united states like we have i live in the netherlands and we have shootings from time to time and some things to happen in the underground type stuff which they are becoming more and more coming to the surface which is very scary because last year one of our most popular and most well-known uh, crime reporters got shot in the middle of the street in Amsterdam and it was absolutely horrific to see and you know th- those things happen and like before that a a lawyer got shot in front of his house I believe so like it, these things like shootings happen more and more often and it's it's getting very scary but mass shootings luckily don't happen very often here if ever and it, it seems that it, that's very much a thing that the United States has to deal with. And of course, the easy answer is it's just gun control. But it's something that the United States, mostly the Republicans, don't want to give up. And that is very sad. The, the, the thing is that with gun control is that especially the Republicans, how they look at things. When Democrats say like, hey, we want gun control, the Republicans always go full out like completely the opposite way where they go like, oh, they want to take our guns. We we will not stand with that because we need our guns. And it's a third right amendment. I don't know what, what, what amendment that is. Hamilton didn't teach me that. Damn it. But anyways, yeah, so it's it, it's an amendment that it says that, that the government can take your guns. But I, I, I feel that there needs to be some form of gun control. And there there are so many mass shootings happening in the United States and I saw this stat floating around so I had to look it up 
And this is from an article from the in, from insider.com. And they state, the U.S. has had 214 mass shootings so far in 2022. They list all the incidents that happened. But like 214 mass shootings in 2022 were almost halfway through the year. That's fucking crazy. That, And also, that that's what I also looked up. So it's the day of recording is May 30th. So I'm dating myself, but May 30th is the 150th day of the year, which means that there have been more mass shootings than there have been days this year, which is absolutely fucking outrageous. So there has to be change in some way, shape or form. And I believe the easiest way is to ban assault rifles and stuff like that, like what the fuck do you need an assault rifle for? And I get like the, oh, I need to defend myself and yada, yada, yada. But I get that. And we saw this uh, floating on Twitter where Ted Cruz was saying like, oh, uh, the only thing that can stop bad guys with guns is good guys with guns, which is such a bullshit excuse. Because it's it's the, the, the till is all this time. It's like when somebody holds you under gun at gunpoint, what are you going to do? Are you you're going to grab your gun and then shoot the person that's holding you at gunpoint? No. And especially with the Ufaldi, Texas scenario where parents were outside the school hearing that their kids were being shot at and they saw a police come up and the police didn't do anything. And they were yelling at the police to be like, hey, you got to do something. Please do something. And the police stood there for an hour letting the fucking gunner do whatever the fuck he wanted and then after an hour they decided to jump in and that, that that's fucking outrageous to me that's something that how and then again jumping back to the ted cruz thing how are you gonna say that the only thing that can stop bad guys with guns is good guys with guns and then you're picturing like the police that those are the quote-unquote good guys but clearly they're not and we have seen that they're not and this once again shows that they are not so why the fuck do they have guns then and it, it's fucking enraging to me that this is an issue in 2022 where, again, we are 150 days into this year and there have been 214 mass shootings. 214. And most of them, if not all of them, have been done with an assault rifle. What the fuck do you need an assault rifle for? I can understand that you have a handgun or, you know, like something or like a, a sniper rifle because of like hunting and stuff like that. Uh, I guess that's an interesting point to take, even though people that hunt seemingly want to do it with bow and arrows and shit like that. But it's such a fucking mind boggling thing to me that this is such a big issue and no one is doing anything about this, or at least like there hasn't been any real change. So I hope the United States figures this shit out because it's, absolutely outraged that there have been 214 shootings in 2022 and there there has not been any any form of new legislations or stuff like that to prevent this from happening and they always go like oh it has to do with you know these people are psychopaths and they need whatever the fuck but these yes these people need help but if it's fucking easy, if you're turning 18 and you can just walk up to a fucking Walmart, buy an assault rifle with, with the fucking Rambo amount of fucking rounds, and then you can just run into a school, what the fuck? That doesn't Fucking healthcare is not going to do anything about that. So I hope the United States is finally waking up to see that, hey, 
we might need to change our gun laws slightly, just making so that, hey, you cannot own and buy assault rifles, but you can still buy hand pistols and stuff like that because, man, this is fucking outrageous. Thank you for your question, Ghost of Animus. Moving on to the second question of today, and this one coming from user Count, and they ask, what is your number one obscure animal fact? And I want to bring some levity into this podcast, so this is why we're going to talk about some obscure animal facts. And the one fact that I have, which is a very well-known fact, I think, at this point, but is that wombats poop squares. And it's such a fucking weird thing. Like, how the fuck does that even happen? In what fucking way do they shit squares? It makes no sense. Like, it, it's absolutely outrageous to me that that is a thing. How the fuck did nature come to this point where they poop squares? Like, what the fuck? How is that, how is that possible? Because, like, I know that fact, and I've heard it many a times before, but it is very interesting that they poop perfect squares. And it, it, it is kind of cute, you know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, you see, like, those, those squares is like Minecraft, you know, they're pixels. But, like, I, I don't know. It's such a weird fact that I that, that that again most people probably will know by this time, but yeah, that's a very interesting, uh, a very very interesting one. I'm quickly scrolling through uh, the comments of this one, seeing if I can find something that's very funny. This is an interesting one. Semicolon seven six four five says butterflies will drink blood given the option. That's a very uh, weird one, but very interesting. Thank you for that, semicolon. So yeah, going back to the question asked by Colonoscope Scount, and they ask, what is your number one obscure animal fact? And that is that wombats poop squares. It's very weird, but it's also kind of awesome, I guess. And then the one from semicolon saying that butterflies will drink blood if given the option, which is uh, concerning to me. Thank you for your question. Moving on to the third question of today, coming from Aussie Redditor, and they ask, would the world be a better place if we put a minimum age of 18 on social media? Why and why not? Who? It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. I think that the answer is, of course, it, it's, there is no real answer to this question. Because I think on one side it would be, and on the other side it won't be. Because we have, of course, many many habits that you learn you will learn in in your younger ages so if you have not had the ability to be on social media for all your life till you're 18 you're probably not gonna miss it or yeah you're not probably not gonna need it when you turn 18 that being said we have seen that it doesn't really change anything that much and i i I feel like that most people that ruin social media so to speak are probably above 18 to begin with because we always go like oh the fucking little shit so but most of the people that are absolutely fucking horrendous on social media are probably in their 20s if not 30s so i don't really think that it's going to change much if we're going to change the the date but again it might hold people back from going on those platforms but 
but then again, we've had these rules for, for like using Facebook and you have to be like 16 or you have to be like 13 and for Instagram you have to be 13. And we've seen that people of fucking six are on there as well. So I, I don't really think that there is a way for you to like fully, there is no real way to fully govern this only when you're having to ID yourself which then that would be an interesting thing because this is what Elon Musk is saying that he wants to do with Twitter, that he wants to verify all users, which would be an interesting thing to do, to be like, hey, these are all real users, these are actual people, and therefore they have the ability to post something. And I think that that might be a better option to be like, hey, everybody that's on this platform is being held accountable in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, I don't, I don't really think that age gating makes that huge of a difference. I think that accountability in this sense is a better option than age gating them. So thank you for your question, Aussie Redditor. Moving on to the fourth question of today, coming from user for Nina Wells. And they ask, what is a non-American TV series that is worth binging? I love American TV. Like, I watch it constantly. I've said it on this podcast before. One of my favorite shows ever is Dynasty. Another one would be Switched at Birth, all America-based. But living in the Netherlands, we have some good actors, some of them making their way to America and Hollywood and stuff like that. But one of the TV shows that I absolutely loved, because it's sadly not on TV anymore, is the show Smeeris. And that basically translates to feds in, in English. And it's it's a show about two cops in the Netherlands that basically get into the day-to-day and then throughout the seasons their shit gets bigger and bigger and there are some fucking crazy things that happen. And it's such a fun show because it's being made by two comedians but they are also just good actors. And it, it's not a comedy. It's a full-on drama. But it is so good. And for me, I don't really watch that much Dutch TV because I just don't really care. Overall, I think the quality is not that great. So i rather skip it if I can. But for this show, I really sat down every night to make sure that I was watching that shit live. And if... I didn't see it live for some sort of reason. I would then watch it the next morning as soon as I could because it's such a good show. And like I said, they, the acting is fantastic, even though, they, like I said, they are comedic, like comedians slash comedic actors, but man, they, they are fantastic. So yeah, Smeeris, aka Fats, is, is definitely the choice that I would give to this question. So thank you for your question Nina, for Nina Wells. And now moving on to the final question of the Ask Reddit for today. Coming from user Jarrar Wings. Fuck you. What are your gaming hot takes? Personally, there has been this story growing in the games industry over the past couple of years where we're talking about accessibility. And the thing with accessibility is that people basically encompass accessibility in different ways where some people would say accessibility has to do with 
the playability of the game. So there are options for people that are colorblind. There are options for people that are deaf. There are options for people that have autism and whatever. But some people also put difficulty of the game with that. And they're saying that games are too hard. And so certain games need to get difficulty sliders or difficulty modes in some way, shape or form. Personally, I don't think that that is the option. I personally think that a game should be what the creator thinks it should be. And this conversation comes up very often when we're talking about from software games. And we are now, like from software, people in the games industry and mostly like games writers and stuff like that, that always shit on from software games for the fact that they are way too difficult and they're very inaccessible for people. And from software then says, fuck you, and then they keep making the games and then people keep complaining about them. But we have actually now seen that what they're doing is clearly working because Elden Ring, the latest from software game that they released, is the best selling game of the year so far. And that is kind of mind boggling to me because if you would have said that to me years ago, I would be like, what the fuck? Nobody, nobody fucking plays those games. Like the previous games sold well, but I don't think they sold, they ever sold more than 10 million copies of a game, which of course, 10 million copies is a lot still because that is basically what PlayStation exclusive games would sell as well. But these are multi-platform and stuff like that. So there's a little bit more leniency. So yeah, they would never sell more than 10 million copies from what I know. And Elden Ring has sold, I think it's almost like 15 to 20 million in a couple of months. Which is absolutely crazy to me that the game is doing so well. And again, it's showing the people that, hey, it doesn't fucking care if your game is way too difficult because people are clearly buying this game. And other than that, people are fucking platinuming this game. And if you don't know gaming, a platinum is... So, like, let's really back a little bit. Most games, basically every game, but some games are an exception to this, are delivered with trophies. And this is a system where a developer can implement these special awards for certain actions you do in the game. On PlayStation, they're called trophies. On Xbox, they're called achievements. On Steam, they're called achievements, I believe, as well. And again, they're like a small little, quote-unquote, prize that you get for completing a certain task or doing a certain thing in the game. And we are seeing that Elden Ring, like I said, the latest From Software game, is being platinumed by a whole bunch of fucking people. And... That combined with the fact that, hey, the game is selling really well. It's showing that people really love these games, even though they are hard. And they're playing them to completion, even though they are hard. Which is absolutely crazy to me. So for me, Jar Rar Wings, it's just that games should be hard if the developer wants it to be hard. I feel like you as a user or as a player... You have, of course, you have the right to complain if you bought the game. I get that. But I feel like you cannot complain about the game because it's the game, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to be bitching and complaining to the developers of Super Meat Boy that their game is too hard and that I die 15 times completing the first level because that's what the game is. The game is a try-hard game. It's, it's a practice-makes-perfect game. And 
the more you play that certain level, the better you're going to get at it, which means that you're going to die less and then eventually reach the end. And I feel like that is a great thing to do. And I feel like if that is the game itself, if that is the core of the game, I don't feel like you should add any difficulty sliders or whatsoever. So thank you for your question, Jarrar Winks. And now moving on to the final question of today coming from the MID asshole subreddit from user KK27KK. That's uh why? MID asshole for taking my child to her mom's home and leaving her there. I, a 40-year-old male, have full custody of my 12-year-old daughter. Her mom has only once a month visitations. Recently, she has been acting up and insisting on living with her mom because she thinks I'm a bad dad. I knew she couldn't live with her mom because her mom is a terrible mom. I know it because I've seen the way she treats her other children, which is why I tried so hard to get full custody. Also, my daughter is used to her very privileged life, which her mom can't afford, which her mom can't give her. A few days ago, we got into an argument and again she said she hated me and wanted to live with her mom. I got angry. I made her pack a bag, took her to her mom's home, left her there and told her she is going to live here and told her she is going to live here just as she wanted. One day later, I got a message from her asking me to take her home. I ignored all her messages and calls for four days until I figured she had learned her lesson. I answered her call and she was crying and asking me to take her home, which I did. She has been staying in her room ever since. My family thinks I'm a huge asshole and should have just brought her home the first time she called, but I thought it was necessary. Am I the asshole? This is a very interesting thing, especially because I don't have children. But you stating that the mom of your kid is a terrible mom goes a long way. And for you to leave her there... And like, I don't know how the situation went. I, I hope that you called the mom to be like, hey, fucking Stacy is going to stay with you a couple of days because Stacy is not listening to me and Stacy wants to live with you. So she's going to be with you for a couple of days. I hope that that is the case and that not that you just drove her over and gave her to her mom because that's fucking awful to begin with. But then she quickly realized that your daughter, again, I'm going to call her Stacy for now. She called you up very quickly to be like hey um i made a mistake and i would like to go back and it, it at that point i feel like you should you should bend the knee and if you don't if you really want to teach her a lesson and be like hey let her sweat for a little bit maybe you know wait for the the second call if you don't want to fucking pick up the first call but man i i feel like yeah you're you're very much treating this way too harsh I think that the kid herself, I think that she quickly realized that she made a mistake and that the mom is not the way she was looking at it. And this, this is always like the hard thing. Like, of course, your daughter is 12, so she doesn't know fucking anything. Even though that she might think she does, she doesn't. And what the thing is, is that it's it's a really hard situation that you're getting into because I can understand that, hey, yeah, I want to teach her a lesson and show her that the thing is, show her what the situation would be like if she was actually going to live with her mom. I get that. But you can, you you could have just said, like, hey, one day, fine, and then just picked her up. Especially since you yourself note that the mom is a terrible mom. So leaving her there for four days, that seems like a bit of a messed up situation to do. 
Okay, going back to the question, am I an asshole for taking my child to her mom and leaving her there? Yes. I'm sorry that I have to say this, but yes, you are the asshole. Again, it's just the whole situation. For one, you knew that the mom is a terrible mother, and yet you brought her there and left her there for four days, even though your daughter called the day after. And again, your daughter is 12, and again, she might be thinking that she knows everything, but she doesn't. And especially with the situation that you're in with this family, where the mother only comes by once a month for just a visit, and maybe she does like some fun things with the daughter and then leaves her back with you, that really sketches a different view of the mother for their kids, right? Because the kid now only sees the mother once a month, maybe twice a month in special situations, and then only celebrates like the good times, but never goes through the bad times. And therefore, the kid sees her mom as a quote-unquote paradise, which it's not, of course, like you're just saying yourself. So I feel like it's really harsh to leave your kid with that mother for four days, even though she called you immediately after to be like, hey, I'm sorry, I want to go back home. Like at that point, I feel like she has learned her lesson. So yes, KK, 27KK, you are the asshole. And this has been it for the Didn't Ask podcast for this week. I hope you had a good time. And if you did, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because both places have the ability to rate this podcast. And if you do, that will help me out tremendously. And I might read your review on the next episode after I see it. You can find this podcast on anchor.fm forward slash didn't dash ask dash pod. That link will be in the show description. Over here, you can find where you can find and listen to this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. It will be there. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Pocket Cast. It's on Podcast Addict. You name it. The podcast is there. We have also been added to Amazon Podcast and to Stitcher. So you can uh, listen to this podcast over there as well if you would like that. So... I will be back next week. If you want to know what I'm doing in the meantime, you can go to tracked.tv. That link will also be in the show description. Over here, you can see all the TV shows and movies that I'm watching, sometimes while I'm watching them, which is a really fun way to keep up with me. If you want to ask me a question about any of the shows or movies that I'm watching, please do, because that would be funny. That would be fun. And you can ask me a question personally, by going to the anchor.fm website that I mentioned earlier. Over here, there is a button that says message. If you press that, you get the ability to record a voice memo for me that I can then play on the show. If you don't want your voice to be heard on this right here podcast, I can totally understand. Just say that up front in your message and then I'll just read your message out myself so I can still answer your question live on air. Well... That's going to do it for me for this week. I hope to see you back next week. Take good care of yourself. Have a nice time. Goodbye.